Can everybody hear me okay? <clears throat> it is uh, my joy to share God's word with you. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 46 and 47 says, These are not idle words for you. They are your life. And so what a joy it is for me to dig into scriptures and share with you things that I've learned. And uh, <clears throat> some years back, oops, hope I didn't mess anything up. Some years back, there was a, a commercial that was out, a very powerful commercial. And it was by a company called E.F. Hutton. <clears throat> and besides other things, E.F. Hutton gave financial advice about buying stock. And this commercial takes place in a restaurant, very loud, very busy, a lot of commotion going on. And one man says, well, my stockbroker says so-and-so, and you can't hear him at all with all the noise and commotion. Another man says, well, my stockbroker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, it gets completely quiet. Everyone stops moving. They actually are leaning forward to try and hear what does E.F. Hutton say? And I've thought about that over the years, and if that's how people respond to E.F. Hutton, how should we respond to the words of Jesus? <clears throat> and so God put on my heart today to start a series called What Jesus Said. And I've selected some passages that are the words of Jesus, and today is Matthew part one. Let's pray. Lord, we're here to worship you in spirit and truth. We're here to praise your name, and we're here to learn from you. And so open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to take in what your word has to say and help us be doers and not just hearers and to apply your word to our life and to teach other people also. So we ask this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. As an intro, I thought it'd be interesting to share with you the first words of Jesus recorded in scripture and it's actually in Luke chapter 2 and unfortunately there's no goo goo gagas when the shepherds came to the manger but the first words are when Jesus was 12 years old and in uh, Luke chapter 2 um, verse 49 he says to Mary and Joseph why were you searching for me didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Evidently, at the age of 12, Jesus knew he had a very unique relationship with God. But before we go any farther, I think it's fair to ask, well, how important are Jesus' words? And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, says, The crowds were amazed at his teaching. And Matthew chapter 22, verse 33 says, they were astonished at his teaching. Amazed and astonished. Well, we probably heard other people speak and we might use those same words. But later on, Peter spoke to Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 68, and he looked at Jesus and he said, you have words of eternal life. You have words of eternal life. Jesus' first words in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, is when he came to John the Baptist to be baptized. And John knew who Jesus was. He knew that he had came from God. And John said, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus' response in verse 15, he replies, Let it be so now, 
for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. The New Living Translation says, for we must carry out all that God requires. Jesus came to do God's will. In Matthew chapter 4, three times Jesus quotes scripture when he's being tempted by the devil. Have we memorized scripture when we're going to be tempted by the devil? But it's not just memorizing scripture, it's applying it to your life when we have power. The first message that Jesus ever preached, the first message, and I thought about this. You wonder how much preparation did Jesus go into this? What did he use to keep people's attention? His first message is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, and Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was his first sermon. It wasn't an hour-long sermon. It was a sentence-long sermon. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, the Greek word for repent means to think differently, to reconsider. The Good News translation says to turn away from your sins. What fame or fortune did Jesus offer to people to change the direction of their life? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus simply said, Come, follow me, and I will help you become fishers of people. And do you know he says the same thing? And actually, he first said that to Peter and Andrew, and then he said it to James and John. And in verse 20, it says that they left their nets and followed him. Verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus says that same thing to all people today. He invites all to come join him, to abide with him as Lord, to depart from the ways of the world, and to unite, to remain, to abide with him and help bring others into God's kingdom. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes called the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to point out Jesus' words in verse 3 and verse 7. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean, poor in spirit? Because these are the people going to heaven. Raise your hand if you want to go to heaven. Either you're asleep or something's the matter if your hand's not up, all right? <clears throat> so, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? The Good News translation says spiritually poor. International Version says destitute in spirit. God's Word translation says recognize they are spiritually helpless. New Living translation says realize their need for Jesus. Contemporary English version says, who depends only on him? Admitting our poverty of spirit is the opposite of being self-sufficient. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Isaiah says, Woe to me, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Peter said to Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
To have poverty of spirit is to see our sin and to see our need for a Savior. If you don't see your sin, if you don't see a need for a Savior, you're not going to heaven. And so Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In verse 7, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Oftentimes we think of mercy as getting a lesser sentence. You stand in front of the judge and he could give you 20 years in prison. And he says, well, I'll be merciful. I'll give you five. Well, you know, the Greek word that Jesus used here carries a different kind of meaning. And I want you to, to picture a woman going in a grocery store and stealing some things. And the owner catches her. And he can call the police and send her to jail. But he shows her mercy and he doesn't call. But this mercy has compassion in action. And this grocery store owner finds out the woman's stealing the food because her kids are hungry and she has nothing. And so for this owner to truly show her mercy as Jesus is talking about, he says, here, take the food home. Now, if you want God to show mercy to you like that, would you raise your hand? Wow, I need that mercy. I want that mercy. But you know, I got to tell you something. The scripture said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown this mercy. So what does that mean we have to do first? Oh, no. We got to do what we just heard that the soul owner did? Lord, help me. And that's what the scripture says. We all raise our hand. We want the Lord to treat us merciful like that. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before people so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus is not speaking to the rich and famous, the highly educated, the most religious. He's speaking to regular, ordinary people who are his followers. Isn't that amazing? He's saying to ordinary people are the light of the world. You think, how can this be? Well, Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And we are to allow our light to shine to other people wherever we are. If we're in Jewel in the grocery store, if we're at a laundromat washing our clothes or riding a CTA bus, we're at work. It's our words, our actions, our life is to be a light. Now, there's a light shining right on me now, and that's a pretty bright light. But the question is that we have to ask each other, how is your light doing? Have you ever had a flashlight that you've got to move around the batteries to try and get a little something out of it? Are we kind of weak in our light? Or is it a bright light shining as Moses had to cover his face? He had been with the Lord. And you think, well, how do I get my light brighter? Well, have you been hearing the word? Have you been reading the word? Have you been studying the word? Have you been memorizing the word? Have you been meditating on the word in order to live what the scriptures teach? Have you been praying? Have you been having fellowship with God? Are you with fellowship with other believers? Are you sharing the good news with people? All those things help our light to shine brighter. 
In chapter 6, there's a word when, W-H-E-N. When, it's a very important word. So on the count of three, I want everybody to say when, all right? One, two, three. When. <clears throat> and this is in chapter 6 now. I want to read this, Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to start at verse 2, 2 to 4. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with tr uh, trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. <clears throat> Jesus didn't say that giving is an option. If you are a follower of Jesus, it says when you give to those in need. It's not like, well, maybe this month I will, and maybe I'll, uh-uh. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you give to the needy. So there's no question there. Now, the only question is, are we doing it to get attention? And if so, that's your only reward. You get no reward from God. Now listen to verse 5 through 7. This is Jesus talking now. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus did not say that praying was an option. He is assuming, he is, he is counting on his followers to pray, but not to do it to, receive, to seem more spiritual or more holy than what they really are, because then you're going to, some people might think, wow, this person really is mature, and you're just playing games with them, and there's no reward from God for that. Many of you know uh, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 9 through 13. Uh, I want to point out the last part of verse 10 and verse 12. So chapter 6, the last part of verse 10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus told us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're is referring to God Almighty, our loving Father in heaven. There's no sin in heaven, so 100% of his will is done in heaven. And he said, now I want you to pray that God's will will be done here on earth. And you think, well, where should that start? Where should God's will start? With each of us. With each of us to see God's will. When I was 18 years old, I thought of my life as a driver in a car. I went where I wanted, when I wanted. I was on the throne, not God. But then at 18, later on, I realized 
this isn't right. I need to take the keys out of the ignition, give them to the Lord, and move in the back seat. And then it's easier for God to have his will when I'm in the back seat. Now, anybody here ever heard about a backseat driver? So uh, being honest with you, there are times when I wanted to take control of that car back. And when I did that, those are the times when I went astray. Now, modern cars have a beeper system now. And so when you start going out of your lane, beep, 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 beep. And so you knew to move back in. Well, do you know what? God has given us a beeper system for a long, long time. Can I get amen? And so the words in this book will let you know, uh-uh, Bob, you're going over here. Okay, Lord, let me get right on back. And this is our beeper system right here. Now, on a, on a side note, I, I just, you know, I wonder if it's just me or if there's anyone here who's ever had somebody be in the car with you and they tell you to go to another lane, they tell you where to park your car. Raise your hand. Is there anybody else who, who has ex that experience? Oh, uh, Rumbi. Rumbi, you're not the only one. It's okay, Rumbi. Love you, honey. Love you, honey. Now, it's very important to listen to the Lord and also, man, to listen to your wife. Amen? Amen? Amen. Even if you think, why should I park there when I can park over here? That's all right. <clears throat> okay, now verse 12. Verse 12, which is very important for all of us. Jesus says to pray, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Unfortunately, we're often very quick to sin, but not so quick to acknowledge, to admit, to confess our sin, and to seek forgiveness. The Good News Translation says, forgive us the wrongs we have done, as we forgive the wrongs that others have done to us. Now, it's, I think I'm safe to say all of us have been wronged in the past by other people, haven't we? And maybe right now as we sit here, there's somebody who's wronging you right now. And I'm pretty sure in the future, there's going to be other people that are going to do us wrong. So what do we do about this? Forgive? We forgive. We forgive. That is God's will. We are praying. He's saying to forgive. <clears throat> and there is a connection in verse 12. And that connection is two words, as we. Everybody say, as we. As we. <clears throat> forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. If we don't forgive, we got a problem. Remember verse 10, we're praying for his will to be done. And it's his will for us to do what? To forgive. Nowhere in the Bible does it say following Jesus is easy. It's not in there. But we have that decision to make. Do we believe that he's Savior, that he's Messiah, that he's Lord? And we're going to follow him. Now listen to Jesus' words in verses 16 to 18 of chapter 6. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus uses a word here that not too many American followers of Jesus say very often or do very often, and that's fast, fasting. And Jesus says, when you fast, not if you feel like it, maybe you will, or only for people in an elite group that have gone to seminary, only those guys fast, or ladies. He's saying if you're a follower of his, and do you know these words that he's speaking in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. So his disciples are hearing this, but also people who become future disciples are hearing when you fast. However, many of us either haven't heard that fasting is a normal part of a believer's life, or we have chosen to not follow Jesus in his teaching. Jesus also explained what to do and what not to do when fasting. He said, do not allow your outward appearance to let people know you're fasting. You know, I want everybody to try it. It's hard made with the mask. I'm going to try to put your eyebrows together. And you put your eyebrows together and your face looks pretty sad. And maybe you start making some noises. And you might even tell people, I'm so hungry. And do you know what? People can look at you and say, wow, that's a devout person. They are really holy. They're fasting. And they're messed up. And Jesus says, no reward from heaven for you. Zero. And, you know, others who, who they go about, they, they wash up, they clean, they walk normal, even though they're feeling weak. And he says, God says, I know you're fasting. You didn't tell anybody, but I know you're fasting. You're going to get a reward. So what people do we want to be? First, do we want to obey him and fast? And, and for me, this, I'm not speaking out of a strength. This is a weakness. I know I need to do better in this. I have fasted, but not on a consistent basis. And so I'm preaching not to you, I'm preaching to myself as well. <clears throat> Did you notice that in the three sections on uh, giving, praying, and fasting, did you notice Jesus used the word hypocrite each time? And, and that's a very strong word. Jesus spoke very harshly towards hypocrites. And a hypocrite is one who pretends or who is an actor. And Jesus is speaking very strong because the hypocrite's focus isn't on God. Hypocrite's focus is on getting reactions from other people. And so let that be a warning for all of us. When we're doing anything spiritual, let it be for God and not for other people. If, if there was ever a time to worry, the time is now. Get those fingernails really down low right now. What's going on in our world and our society? I mean, our president is in a hospital, and the vice president might get the virus. Who's going to lead our country? You know, there's chaos going all around. 
You know, there's my, my aunt actually died of the virus in Kentucky. There's many people who have lost their jobs. They don't have money. The money is running out. It's hard for kids to, to go to school on a computer. And so if there's any time, now is a time to worry. I don't know about you, but in my Bible, in Matthew chapter 6, right above verse 25, there's a little heading. And in my Bible, there's three words. And those three words are, do not worry. Do you know in verse 25 to verse 34 in Matthew chapter 6, in those 10 verses, six times Jesus used the word worry. Now, it's one thing for somebody to repeat themselves once or twice to make a point. Jesus does it six times. Uh, he wants clearly to get our attention. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 25, 27, 28, 31, and 34. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life. 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? 28, and why do you worry about clothes? 31, so do not worry. 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worry about itself. The word worry means to give way to anxiety, to be over-anxious, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble, to become distracted so that it affects your life and your family. Jesus makes it very clear, do not worry. So what is the answer? Faith and trust. Psalm, 68, Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 143, verse 8 says, bring me, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me which way I am to go, for to you I lift up my soul. Jesus' words are amazing. He has words of everlasting life. I encourage you this week to read Matthew chapter 4, 5, and 6 with a pen or pencil and go over these things that we've discussed, some of the ones I've discussed. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to repent Lord, you would help us to confess and you'd help us to see the poverty in our spirit so we can come clearly to you. Help us to be merciful, Lord. Help us to be a light for others and remind us, Lord, how important it is to give and to pray and to fast. And Lord, help us to grow in our faith and our trust that so we won't worry and above all, in the name of Jesus, we ask that we would seek your will above our will so we can bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.